welcome to episode 148 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me today are our usual hosts, uh, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hi. Um, I'm really confused, honestly. <laughs> I, just before the show, I heard a tapping, and I walked outside, and I was uh, making eye contact with a man hanging outside my window with a hammer. Uh, which is always for recording podcasts, as you know. Um, but it was extra surprising because we live on the seventh floor, and so I was not expecting that. Thankfully, he's gone now. It it, it was an experience. Alrighty then. Well, hopefully Hammer Time does not start up again during the middle <laughs> of the podcast. Um, and Rabin, rejoining us after several weeks' absence. Uh, how are you doing this evening, Rabin? I'm doing pretty well. Glad to be back. I'm excited to talk about the Chronomancer. I think is what we're doing today. Yeah, that's the main uh, topic of interest. So uh, I guess without further ado, let's just jump right into that. Spirit, do you want to start us off on the discussion? Uh, of Chronomancer? Yeah, well, sure. Or whatever. Okay. Um, so Chronomancer was revealed this week as the Mesmer Elite Specialization. Trying to get all my terminology right there. Um... And I had been happy with, like, last week we talked about all of the trait changes coming in and how um, Mesmer in particular was seeing kind of, you know, not exactly a return to Guild Wars 1, but some trends of, you know, interrupt builds and shut down, that kind of thing, which was really prevalent in the Guild Wars 1 Mesmer. And I was really happy for those people, but it, I didn't enjoy that play style, um, so I was kind of bummed because... The things I kind of liked about Mesmer were a little bit, I felt, going away in favor of that. And so I wasn't expecting to be that excited about the Chronomancer. And yet when it was revealed this week, I was like, oh, Chronomancer is Mesmer for me. And it just looks so darn cool. Well, you know, I think, I understand how, what you're saying, but I'm glad they're going back. But I feel a little bit like they're finally implementing what... Because um, Guild Wars 2 is a lot more action-y, whereas Guild Wars 1 was more strategic, and you'd sit in one place, and your main focus was your bars. I mean, there was a little bit of positioning sometimes, but it, your focus was your skill bar, and what order you do that in, depending on what situation you're in. And like you said, the Mesmer was so awesome for interrupts, lockdown, backfire, things like that. And I missed that a lot, being a hardcore Mesmer, from it was my main in the first game. And, you know, getting into the Mesmer for Guild Wars 2 was kind of like, eh... I'm not feeling this, but I've, I figured it out, and I'm like, okay, I guess it's kind of like what I envisioned an illusion Mesmer to be from Guild Wars 1. But it's like, to me, what I'm thinking, in my opinion, is that they finally started to capture what the action sense of being a Mesmer in Guild Wars 1 would be. Because, like you said, the traits are going back towards things that we saw, back to its roots. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you point that out between Guild Wars 1 and 2 is... is just interrupts in general are much less emphasized in guild wars 2 for a large variety of reasons i mean first and foremost we don't have casting bars that are visible to you know at least to enemies so the idea of targeted interrupts is a lot more difficult especially in pve when there's you know so many different types of monsters and then also concepts like stability and defiance and and all of those types of things um there's there's really been a, a de-emphasis in, in interrupting, and so it's... Knockbacks, and everybody has a knockback in Guild Wars 2. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and part of it's, you know, I think I think part of it's some of the latency issues slash skill speed, and yeah, and, and also, I mean, just the whole... Guild Wars 1 was largely 
built as a series of small skirmishes in PvE where you would sort of fight coordinated groups of NPCs against coordinated groups of PCs. And so having your little, like having that shutdown mesmer in that tight skirmish environment really made sense, but in sort of an open world environment where there's longer cooldowns and, you know, meant for sort of endurance, that interrupt playstyle is not doesn't quite fit as neatly in. That's so. true. I never thought about it that way as open world versus skirmish. And when you have instance-based um, zones, that does make a lot more sense from an environmental standpoint. Yeah, but, it was, but it's been really interesting to see them going back to that form. Especially, I mean, none of the three of us are really big PvPers, in, at least in Guild Wars 2, I don't think. But uh, I feel like a lot of those traits are going to be really interesting for PvP. Oh but, yeah, I mean, we're, I think we were jumping ahead, but the you know the elite, um, uh, spe- not specially in the elite, uh, little time bubble thing. I forget what it's called. That is going to be really interesting in PvP, but maybe we're going to talk about that more later. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, well, I just meant first off the just the the traits from last week applying to PvP a lot, but Chronomancer is going to be really interesting in in PvP. I mean, yeah, it's so one of the things that I really. For Chronomancer, I or well for Mesmer in general, I guess, is this this one at least so far really does kind of hammer home some of the opportunity cost of the changes to the trait system where you get three full trait lines because the Mesmer is getting such a huge rework and there's so many good traits in the like or there will be rather that by picking this elite specialization like it in itself is going to be very strong but you're also you know you'd be only getting two of your other trait lines so it feels a little bit more like guild wars one where you have to choose what kind of mesmer you're going to play yeah yeah and and i can't yeah yeah i don't know i i guess though i sort of question i sort of question some of the balance level because it does seem like a lot of these chronomancer abilities are extremely extraordinarily powerful to the point where it seems that way but i think it's a mechanic power and they're probably i would guess and just just a guess i shouldn't say feels that because i haven't played it myself but it seems that there is a power creep and they're going to have to scale the stuff back even though they, they said many times and uh in the show that they had you know there's not solid numbers we're gonna adjust these it, i think they're gonna have to mess with cooldowns mess with things mess with balance to make it but I think it's more of a mechanic thing than uh, a lot of damage. I think people are going to do interesting things with the mechanics of it. And they're just going to find out where to limit the cooldowns to make the mechanics fair. Do you have any thoughts, Spirit? Um, yeah, that sounds reasonable. I mean, from everything I read, it it sounds very overpowered. Um, especially I've, for those of you who are not in the know for whatever reason. Um, one of the main features of the Chronomancer is you have an effect called alacrity which is 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 functionally the opposite of chill it's not a boon it's an effect so you can't spread it or anything um but it reduces your cooldowns by 66 percent while it's active um in addition to that chronomancers get an f5 skill where they shatter um their clones and remember um illusionary persona which is the trait that makes a shatter work on you is now baked in so no matter what traits you have it'll work on yourself as well um, when you do that shatter effect, you split off from the timeline and are able to blow all of your cooldowns or whatever. And when you toggle that skill or when the duration runs out, you return to the original point with your health that you had when you shattered, your endurance that you had when you shattered, and all of your cooldowns set back to where they were when you, you shattered. 
but you have to have clones or phantasms out this to work. And the more that you have out, the longer it'll last. Is that how it, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Well, but you always count as a clone for purposes. But you always of count as a clone if you have an illusionary persona on, which you do. Okay, yeah. Which everybody does now. Yep. It's just baked into the class. Um. Yeah. I mean that. Uh, it it'll be really interesting to see what the duration is on that because if the duration is short enough, then. The most powerful thing you would be able to do with it is double elite pop, which I still don't feel very comfortable with. But you know, if it's if we're only talking a second or two, you know, if if the if the duration of this rewind is really really short, so you can't just literally blow your entire skill bar and then rewind it back, that's a little bit better. Which of course they didn't mention the the duration or anything like that. So, but it does things like that worry me. Just like reflect um, bothers me because. It's something that isn't a numerical advantage. You know, it's not It's not just like you do 300 extra damage. It is just 100% this thing happens, and how powerful that is depends on all sorts of things, including, you know, power creep that may get introduced later. And, you know, Reflect in particular is only really effectively possessed by two classes. Um, and, you know, having having mesmers have a unique effect and having this crazy shatter is it's it scares me a little bit from a balance perspective because i know that i don't want it to be a point where it feels like every profession should take their elite specialization no matter what and i can't imagine a mesmer not taking that yeah i agree especially um from a a pvp dungeon running standpoint definitely there's um, the Chronomancer offers so much for that type of gameplay that it doesn't... So, would you think that you... What if all of these special specializations do that? Do you think uh, that would be a detriment to the game, where all of a sudden, okay, the new the new classes, the new specializations are what you play now because this is ultimately more powerful? I, I personally wouldn't like that. Go I wouldn't like that either. Yeah, go ahead, Spirit. Um... I think it would depend in the long term because we're only um, we're only getting one specialization now, and so if you had if for now everyone went to their elite specialization, I think it would be bad. But if in the future the next um, specialization uh, were so were a choice, if, had, if it if presented you two, a real choice, yeah, if we had two elite specializations and there was a real choice between the two of them. I think that would be fine, but the all, already the stated design intent is that they want the core classes to be an equivalent choice. And it's, I mean, it's really early to make that kind of specialization with only uh, one one reveal. Mm -hmm. But already, at least with the mesmer, it seems that I don't see enough downsides to to switching that I would not make both my mesmers a chronomancer. Yeah, and I agree with you guys. That would be a shame if all of a sudden Chronomancer is it's Chronomancer get out. That would be kind of kind of silly. I think well, the part that concerns me, and part of this is probably my bias based on the classes that I play the most. But what would concern me is as a Necromancer main, for example, um, if the specialization for Necromancer plays really, really well with one type of Necromancer build, like say a condition or or power or whatever i mean whatever type it is like condition and power builds don't play nicely with each other for necromancers and so if the elite specialization for necromancer 
is like, oh man, now all power necromancers are whatever the specialization is called. Uh, and and be- because that is a form of, like, if it is, if they all choose that because it's a form of power creep, then it would effectively kill off, like, semi-viable, you know, condition mancer builds in this case. Uh, because, the, you know, it's... the, the so you'd mesmer... rather have them foster diversity rather than um, do a narrow path. Right, well, like, Mesmer, yes. Mesmer is very... All of the Mesmer build paths all revolve around clones in some way or another, and so the specialization for the Mesmer seems like it affects all of... Like, it seems like it slots into every Mesmer build, which, like... So, I mean, we don't know anything about the other specializations, I guess. That's... That's that's really what makes it hard, but it makes me wary. It makes me wary and skeptical about whether or not every class would be able to have have an elite specialization that works as well for. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's but it's. I mean, it is exciting though. It's exciting and scary at the same time. Um, one thing that I did think was interesting was that it's been confirmed that every specialization is going to grant um a handful i don't remember the exact number but uh, of of skills uh that get enabled for that uh if you or skills that you can only slot if you have that specialization selected and that chronomancer is getting wells now so that means that wells are no longer an exclusive necromancer um skill type which is uh, I I actually do like that. I think that's what, really what interesting. What makes mm-hmm. what makes a well a well though? Because the the uh, mesmer already had the null field. Um, uh, that's a glamour. So I think a well is a like a ticking ground. Something that pulses AOE. on the ground. Yeah. Which t- I mean, yeah. So I guess the there's sort of two answers to that. One is they are functionally almost identical to symbols for guardians mm-hmm. in that they pulse uh, an effect in an area on the ground. I. Well, at least for Necromancer, all wells are uniform size, which I don't know if all marks are. Uh, or I mean, not marks, um, uh, symbols. Um, yeah. So, so size may be a you know determining factor as well. Like, well, I think wells are the largest between glamours symbols and wells. If that, so I think wells are the largest of those three types of skills. And then the other, the sort of secondary answer is you know anything that. I mean, it's just a, it's a different skill type, you know. Even though they may be functionally very similar to other skills, so in, you know, traits or things like that um, that affect wells or whatever would only affect those skills. So, I mean, in terms of functional difference, there might not necessarily be one, but in terms of like in terms of synergistic differences or, so, or combinations, and from synergy, if a necromancer has a trait or something that helps a well if it can help a uh, a mesmer perhaps there'll be some synergy between the two classes now yeah well i don't know how you would have a trait that would help an ally as well but well, who knows <laughs> who knows yeah um but i but think that'd be interesting as well if they put if if doing this i hope a synergy between the classes and maybe maybe wells wouldn't be the only way to do that but that'd be cool if you know using a, a necromancer can use a well better because they're traded so when they use the uh, mesmer's well they'll get that benefit they would from their trait so here's some, so here's something interesting about wells is I believe all necromancer wells are five seconds, but it sounds like uh, chronomancer, chronomancer wells tick for three and then have some sort of burst effect at the end, um, which is interesting. I don't know if necromancer would be getting a treatment to like change their wells or if that's just specifically only going to be for chronomancers as sort of a way to slightly distinguish their wells from 
necromancer wells um but i i love the idea of having the ticking clock face on the well that denotes when the ticks are happening and like the you know in time that's which... good and bad because it's great so you know but then in pvp you're gonna be able to see your enemies well so it's bad for me as a mesmer well it's bit. bad but well it's it's i think it's good for pvp as a as a whole like being able to I, I think it's interesting. It, it adds an interesting, like, extra level of observation. Yeah, um, it does. It's definitely an added challenge as the as the mesmer. It's an added challenge that they can see it. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's exciting though. Um, it was a good, I really hope the other um, specializations um, are as interesting and uh, outside the box from what we see in Guild Wars Two so far. Just change it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regard to at least in counterplay against the wells and stuff actually we should probably just talk about counterplay in general because it sounds really strong but um one of the things that kind of came out afterwards in points of interest i think is when you use continuum shift which is that shatter that allows you to break off from the timeline it actually drops an item on the ground that can be broken to drag the mesmer back to where it started so that was interesting yeah you can counterplay by forcing the mesmer out of their their timeline and also uh what was the other thing oh for the wells there's three ticks on the well and then a final big pull or, or a big um, effect Burst of whatever effect, it does. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of the gravity well, which is like it pulls things to the middle three times and then floats, which I think is really cool. I hope they keep that because they're talking about nerfing it already because that's too many CCs in a row. But the float effect would be so cool and so unique to the uh, the Mesmer on land that I think it could be really cool. And I hope that doesn't get... Um, that doesn't get taken out. I think that's really unique. Um, but it's it kind of reminded me of the um, what are they called? Like the wastrel skills in Gilders One. Yeah. Um, where you could there was one that hurt them when they attacked, and there was one that hurt them when they didn't attack. Oh, so I love hexing like people with both of those. Exactly. Don't. Yeah. So I was thinking of that with wells. Like you can dodge maybe the first three and then take the final effect or you can watch very carefully and take the first three and then dodge the final effect that's a cool way to think about it i didn't about it. yeah it is this emulate rastral's spells that's cool what about the shield what do you guys think about the shield i really just in general the chronomancer um ticks a lot of good boxes for me in terms of what i like in a profession I actually really um reminds me of some of the reasons I like my guardian right now which is the first of all AoE group support and then second of all how positioning can have a really good payoff and like being mindful of that is extra important because the skill that I'm most excited about I I, I read about the the blocking one with the phantasm and I'm not too impressed with that yet I'll just have to see how that plays the phantasm um, that throws the shield or yeah, I just yeah, I'll just have to see how that plays. I don't know because if you successfully block, you get another block, right? That's the whole deal with that. I think one. that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I, I'm sure that'll come in handy in PVE. I'm not gonna lie, but the other more important one to me is that it throws out a shield in front of you, it, but it's not like a shield. It's more like a wall. So it th- it throws a moving wall in front of you, um, and when it hits that end point, it turns around and comes back to you. And when you run through that wall, it reduces the cooldown. But in addition to that, as it passes through allies, it gives them quickness. And as it passes through enemies, it stuns them, both on the way out and on the way back. Uh, and I think that 
could be incredibly powerful in probably a PvP and PvE situation, but for me thinking of, you know, dungeon encounters, I think Chronomancer has really a potential to help Mesmer's back into the dungeon meta. It'll depend on how the numbers shake out, but I think that kind of group support that it can offer with the shield and the wells and the double time warp and stuff make it a very strong candidate. Yeah, with the double time warp and the CC that it brings, I think you're right. I think find a way back in the meta, unless the cooldowns get too high. And we don't even know what their elite skill is, do we? The It's gravity well. Yeah, it's a gravity well. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just... I mean, sorry to sort of backtrack off point a little bit. I'm just rereading the section on Alacrity and that just by virtue of being a Chronomancer, every time you shatter, it gives you it gives you Alacrity, which allows you to shatter faster. Like it does seem like it's self-sustaining. Well, it's I mean, it's self-sustaining, too, but just like every <laughs> like every build is going. To, yeah, I don't Yeah, I mean, the the condition shatter builds the. Um, what I think they should do, and I don't know if it's like this or not, but I think they should make Alacrity available only in a very specific trait line. So you have to be a specific type of Mesmer. That well, would seem to the, be... That's the Chronomancer. Yeah, it's line. only from the Chronomancer. Okay, so then if you want to be a, a different type of Mesmer, you don't get Alacrity. So I don't know, but maybe that's so so powerful no one else is going to choose it. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of my argument is is that alacrity, alacrity, and and the time rewind shatter seem so powerful that I can't imagine not wanting those on any mesmer build ever. Which is, I don't know, I like my mesmer the way it is now, but you're right. If their power creep is enough, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Yeah, we will. And well, and also, I mean, your mesmer is going to change just by virtue of trait reshuffling and integration of certain traits into other things. So, yeah, it's um, but as far as the shield, I. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't know that I would use the shield just because the offhands um, or the two-handed weapons are already so strong in terms of their phantasm outputs and things that they can do. So I don't know that I would really feel like having a slot to give up for one of my pieces of equipment for that. Um, and since it's an offhand, it has, you know, sort of inherently longer cooldown and more situational effects than a main hand or a two-handed weapon would be. But I'm just thinking in the... I have sort of a, a condition, you know, torment and bleed and confusion stacking build um, that relies on shatters. And if I turned that into a chronomancer, I wouldn't want to give up either the pistol offhand or give up the torch offhand for the prestige. So... Um, but yeah, I, don't think I think it'd yeah. be hard for me to give up my, uh, my, my focus as well. That seems like I'm, I'm so used to the phantasmal warden and the temporal curtain that it'd just be weird to be without it. And like you said, even with a sword and that added defense and utility on the shield, it's going to be weird. So maybe I'd have to play sword focus, sword shield. Maybe that would work. I don't know. Yeah, it could. Um... Go ahead. Not not to steal you backtrack again, but you said something about like not switching your weapon for the prestige. Are you referring to the the skin? No, no, no. The prestige, uh, the the um ability oh. is called the prestige. Right. The one that, that yes. cloaks right. you and then you explode. Okay. Yeah, I misunderstood. I thought you meant um yeah the like the shield skin that came with the chronomancer. Actually, I was just wondering about that. Now that I I hadn't thought of it before, I was like, oh, yeah, neat. Uh, profession specific or uh, specialization-specific skins, but now that I'm thinking about it, probably as soon as you have one of those, you unlock it for everyone on your account, right? So I can just 
yank that shield onto a different one of the characters if I really wanted to. I mean, it may be profession-bound, because even though we don't have profession-bound armor, we do have race-bound. So they do have some ability to prevent certain types of characters based on their like starter info of class race from wearing Might certain things. Might be a things. light armor shield. Well, yeah, or something. I mean, it, but I mean, they may even be able to introduce like Mesmer only, like, like just a Mesmer yeah. only shield um, or not. I mean, yeah, th I think that's sort of up in the air. Although I do like the idea of spe um, specialization specific skins. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> SSK. SSS. Oh, you're right. But SSK sounds better. <laughs> well, that's true. That sounds like a computer part. I don't know what it does. But yeah, it is a mouthful. Um, but that would be interesting. Do we have any, I mean, other than you bring it up now, do we have anything to merit that theory? Are they, have they said anything about doing that? About what? Having it be this, bound? Yeah, profession-specific skins. Yeah, they're um, they're going to be acquired through the profession reward tracks. Yeah, I, I know be... how they're acquired. But have they said anything about how that, that they might make them profession-specific? Not... Uh, Yet, I don't think there's been anything said about whether they'll be bound to that or not. Yeah, that was just pure speculation. But then how are they acquired? Just in case I corrupted spirit and someone's like, hey, how do they, are they acquired? <laughs> Through the um, elite specialization reward track. So as you put your hero points into unlocking the specializations um, traits and skills, you will also get the skins with it. Which I think is cool. I think that's a good way to get skins is selling them on the uh, cash shop. Yeah. Well, I, w I wonder if that is like in like towards the end of the mastery or not mastery but no is it the mastery what is it called reward track the reward track i guess yeah if it's if that's towards the end or at the end of the reward track like you could be functionally a fully unlocked chronomancer but still not have the shield skin because that's you know like the hardest thing to get and so it would like give it extra prestige or if it's sort of a you know, in your path of unlocking chronomancy, you you get the shield. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know which way I'd prefer. Yeah, either way is good. I think it's just good that we're getting skins in a interesting way that allows us to feel like we're earning them. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Have to give a huge thumbs up for that. Um, I think that. I mean, I it's it's funny because the the chronomancer is like so exciting, but we we have so little actual information about it. Like we kind of actually already covered everything that's been released about it uh unless you guys had anything else on that specific topic um, just one uh one more thing that makes it sound crazy op that we haven't mentioned yet um they've only talked about a handful of traits for it but one of the grandmasters they talked about when you shatter a phantasm it immediately responds that was pretty cool uh once per phantasm so you can't just and like shatter shatter shatter. they forever, mentioned but... on points of interest that this is very op and it's going to be played with Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also, so that was a Grandmaster trait, and then there's a Master trait version for clones as well. They're on separate ones. Um, and yeah, I you know, number's not final. Don't jump to any super conclusion, but it just, yeah, that just goes towards making it sound more power creepy. And those are the effects that scare me, you know, like I was talking about with Alacrity and with, uh, you know, this, this time, out of time bubble thing, uh, F5 skill, and you know and reflect and all those types of things that aren't really they aren't really numbers at all because it's really easy to tweak a number you know you can just look at a number and say is this number too high yes lower it but there's a certain question on like is reflect too strong and if the answer is yes i mean you can't really fix it or how or fixing it involves 
it still being really strong, but you just not getting to use it very often, which is kind of an unsatisfying answer and also doesn't really fix the problem in certain scenarios, like in dungeons and in bosses and stuff, yes. where you just wait for it and then you just use all your like super crazy mechanics. Like, it's just it's really hard to balance around um, something that isn't a number. It's something that's a force multiplier. Yes. It's something that's very um, hard, to, and it can be it's a lot of opportunity for, like you said, being broken and not fun. But I think it's a lot more interesting than just numbers going up and down. When you have mechanics that change things and that can be used in very clever ways to find those exploits, find that, oh, this is way too powerful. We never thought someone would use it in X way. I think that's an interesting game. When you just have numbers going up and down, that doesn't interest me as much. What concerns me is that some classes are sort of more like the favorite children on having unique mechanics than others. And it's like... been that way since the beginning with Guardian in this game, though. I know Guardian and Mesmer both have <laughs> the only are the only classes that have unique. Well, are they? They're almost the only classes um, that have completely unique effects. In terms of reflecting, in terms of several abilities, like um, reflecting is is something that other classes technically have access to, but those two have it in ways that are so much fundamentally in stronger. copious amounts. In copious amounts and in ways that are so much mm -hmm. fundamentally stronger. Um, uh, time warp is uh, there are classes that have individual quickness for brief periods of time but giving a gigantic aoe of quickness is fundamentally a mesmer thing um mm. and now alacrity is like fear used to be a fun was used to be an exclusive necro thing and then they just sort of said eh, yeah we'll just give that to every like not everybody but <laughs> we'll just give that to other like you know um and you know like like stealthing is a thief thing except that necromancers or i mean except that mesmers can also stealth veil and aoe stealth and now with chronomancers can do both of those back to back in large oh, aoe's i hadn't even thought of that um yeah, yeah like engineers <laughs> can stack a full stealth duration as well by themselves they don't even need a thief yeah exactly yeah like some classes have things that are sort of like playstyle defining but are also replicated by other classes where I really feel like Mesmer and Guardian both have the most, either the best access to really unique abilities like Reflect, or just have abilities that effectively only they have, which is... I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying, Vrabin. Which about... is why Guild Wars 1 was a better game from that aspect. <laughs> I think Guild Wars 1 had a lot more balance between the classes. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, that like just numbers are super boring. And that's absolutely true. But if you want, if you want to have an, if you want to have an ecosystem in which you know, quote unquote, everything is OP, so so nothing is, then everything has to actually be OP. You can't just have like two things that are OP. Cough guardians, cough mesmers. Yeah, pretty much. Like no other profession is. Oh, and like portal also mesmer. Um, yeah, I mean no no other profession is ever a mandated you know dungeon or fractal spot it is it is like those two are the ones that have to be there or one, at least one of them but anyway uh i think that's pretty much all we wanted to say on the chronomancer though it's exciting and it's terrifying yeah. and we're gonna have to see some numbers come out i liked um i was hopeful on points of interest when i was watching it that the icons that they had i'm like those are guild wars one icons and I'm like wait these are guild wars one icons and we will not be using them I'm like oh <laughs> i know uh yeah um but at least i had my little nostalgia trip watching points of interest related to that um and related to that this is a real sentence i promise you guys <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> 
there's something's gonna come of it eventually um they are releasing another specialization next week we have that confirmed we don't know which one's gonna be um i tend to think it'll be one of the ones we know the name of just because that makes more sense to me i was really actually surprised to see the mesmer first i wasn't expecting that at all um well they revealed the mesmer last so it's only fair i guess but there's like no logic to yeah i don't know Anyway, that shaman has pulled a whole bunch of, or he put up an album of all the Guild Wars 1 skills that have now suddenly floated their way back into the Guild Wars 2 client for some reason. Yeah. And I got really excited because I saw Fox Fangs on there and all of my assassin skills. And I just, I, oh man, you guys, the week the thief specialization gets dropped is going to be a very trying week for me. It's either going to be really exciting or really upsetting, and I don't know which, and it's going to there's a lot of emotions are going to happen. Yeah, it's uh and I mean I I we said it earlier, but I I love that every specialization is getting their own uh or every every elite specialization is getting their own icon. Mhm. So I have a I guess I have a question. This is sort of building off of our discussion about uh power creep and elite specializations just being flat out better or not. And some of our discussion last week about what were previously sort of referred to as the profession-specific trait lines being the ones that added to your profession-specific mechanics, so soul reaping or um, arcana, I guess, uh, mm. for elementalists, things like that. Um, I, I almost think it would be interesting if they like did a huge tinkering on the core specializations such that those lines became elite specializations so that like they became even more powerful but you couldn't do them with the new specializations i don't know what do you guys think about that i think that'd be a good way to balance it and that way they can build off the structure they already have and i think remake you know the whole guild wars to combat environment that's the i mean not combat environment but the uh the trait system and such because it's again not as interesting as guild wars one was yeah, I guess my only worry with that is that it would kill, um, by making that one stronger, it would effectively kill three regular trait line builds. Like, you would have to have mm-hmm. a profession-specific um You would need an elite line, specialization. Was, yeah. yeah. And I don't mind them turning the current system on its head, because I'm not particularly fond of it. I mean, it's fun, it's good, but I think there are a lot of, of other better systems out there. Yeah, well... Yeah, and and that's that is definitely something. Yeah, it's it, there's. I mean, there really is no hundred percent right answer because I also agree with you on that. It's I would have the same problem with that solution as I have in general with the idea that elite specializations are so good that you should always have them. Um, but at least it could sort of maintain some semblance of being a motivation to not be the new elite specializations. But I, I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see what the other what the other ones are. Yeah. And I think we're jumping the gun a bit, talk trying to speculate on this when we only know about one specialization. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's but true. it's it is interesting to speculate. Yeah, I mean, but we do know the current strength of the mesmer, and we do know all of their current reworks and traits. We do know the mesmer and the guardian are the favorite children. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah yeah. At least mesmer deserves it. <laughs> How does Mesmer deserve merit wow, more than the that Guardian? Wow, that's so rude to Guardians. Like that hurt me in my my <laughs> spirit place. How how does the uh, Mesmer merit more than the Guardian? Because because the Mesmer is the most Guild Wars profession. That is true. 
it is the profession that really does not exist in any other franchise. So if one of them signature. has to be a favorite, if yes, it is the signature. It is their signature baby profession. If there has to be one profession that gets to be their super special spoiled baby, it has to be the Mesmer. And I'm Which is why I'm not so worried about being overpowered, because one, I play the Mesmer, so there's bias there. But also, they're going back to more I, I it seems to me they're going back to more like a Mesmer from Guild Wars One, and I like that. And they're even drawing, I mean, they talked about it in Points of Interest, they're drawing off of things that were supposed to be in Utopia, which is, you know, scrap Guild Wars uh, expansion from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say that fully well with my Guardian being almost as much of a main as my Necromancer is and having three legendaries on her. <laughs> but, like I said, if anybody has to be the special child, it's Mesmer. But, uh, anyway, speaking of seeing soon or waiting to see things do you guys want to talk a little bit about the new golden ticket system as it were for getting into the next beta no no <laughs> i'm angry Go. not really i will talk about it um so last tuesday, tuesday? Yeah. yeah it was wednesday here it's always very confusing for me i don't know what days are anymore um Last week, they introduced an item which drops in the Dry Top and Silver Wastes called Portal to the Heart of Naguma, which is effectively a beta key. And I thought this was actually um, really funny that it was an April Fool's joke in Guild Wars 1. Um, they had those fake patch notes that they would drop, and one of them was like, mobs were very rarely dropping beta keys for Guild Wars 2. And now here in Guild Wars 2, it's become an actual thing. Um, which is which not is... a funny joke from Guild Wars no. 1. <laughs> But anyway. Um, yeah, so I have been out in the Silver Waste farming my heart out trying to get one of these. Um, they seem to drop roughly once per entire cycle. So from 0% of the bar to the killing of the Vinewrath, one person gets one portal. Roughly. That's just my experience because I've been out here for a while. Um, the number of hours I have been out here is roughly embarrassing and between a scale of one to embarrassing (laughs) it's it's full-on embarrassing (laughs) i've got uh 1250 champ bags in my inventory right now unopened because i refuse to open them i just can't right now um and i still have yet to get a portal i just can't get one it's been like five days of constant basically all my free time goes into silver waste farming nothing it's frustrating me soul crushing yeah, it's the worst, the absolute hands down worst thing is the watching people ping two and being like, lol, I got two. And I'm like, middle finger on my computer screen. Oh, man. How do you feel about it, Robin? Do you have any thoughts on this? Any initial? I don't know. I just got back from being out of, uh, away from my computer that plays Guild Wars for about a month and a half. So I've been playing for today and yesterday. And I'm hopeful that I'll get one, but I don't know. I feel that they should probably have it drop more, but it seems to me that it's maybe more than once per run. I don't know. I've was I've been in uh, kind of AFK and where am I? Dry Top right now since we're doing the show, and two people have pinged them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm hoping yeah. to get one. I think, like a lot of the RNG in the game, they need to bump it up a little, but hey. Well, I guess the thing is, though, is how many people do they want for the beta test? You know, it's not it's not like... It's not like a ticket in the, you know, it's, it is, 
it is their beta test and they're the ones that get to decide how many people they want in it so it's not so much an issue of fairness as it is an issue of like how big they want the test to be so there i mean that is a consideration you know um Mm -hmm. i personally i mean there's as with everything there are pros and cons i think the pro is that it's kind of a fun system and it feels kind of like you earned it if you get one whereas the email subscriber method you just sort of sit there and just go man i wish they'd email me and you just i mean yeah but so so on the on the one hand and at least it it, you know it I don't know. I I like it in concept. I especially would like it if they also sent out emails, which we don't have any word of whether or not they're going to be doing they a combination. Do we actually are? Oh. Um, it says in the FAQ that they will be they will be dropping, and there will also be like a round of random emails again. So if you don't that's have what a you got for signing up for their newsletter, right? Yeah. Uh, by yeah. the way, if you have a beta portal and you have not signed up for the newsletter, make sure you do that because you do need to do that to get your invite. Yeah, so I mean, to me, that's just like a win-win. It's like if you don't have any interest in farming, then you have the same odds that you had before. And if you do have interest in farming, you're increasing your odds of getting in, even if it's frustrating that you don't. I mean, obviously the con is it can cause burnout, because having also earned that many champ bags within a couple-week time span, I know that it burned me the F out on Silver Wastes, so... You know, burnout is burnout is real, so it does sort of encourage burnouty behavior. But uh, I, I don't know. I think it's cute. I I kind of like it. I think it's a good way to get people playing because now that I'm playing, I'm only playing dry top or silver wastes. Yeah, yeah, that too. It, it's yeah, been, it's another way to revitalize those zones. It's been really nice in bringing down T6 and Ecto prices to a reasonable range again. Oh, oh yeah, cool. I should buy some of those. Yeah, they're really reasonable right now. Most of them are um, in the mid twenties for T six and. Oh my god! Bullets, I'm logging onto Guild Wars. Just under <laughs> fifty silver now. Actas are sitting around thirty silver a piece. Yeah, um, but speaking of sort of like silver waste as a style of map objectives and such, you had a couple things that you had started to feel after your massive silver waste binging uh last time spirit you want to talk about that at all with regards to heart of thorns uh everybody co-oping one map objective yeah um i'm not sure like the i think the easiest way to start this is like a tldr and then maybe get into it a little bit more but basically the longer um i spend here the more i realize that I don't think I will like map-wide objectives long-term. Um, I think they're really, really interesting uh, in the short term, and they're definitely fun to to do. But having been here for a long time, and now Silverways having been out for a long time, what I've come to realize is that basically anyone who is on the map not completing the map objective is dead weight, and hence creates a wedge between players who just want to play and players who want to be actively contributing to the map and by not by being there to not do the map objective you are actively hindering players who want to be farming that map objective as efficiently as possible so in the case of silver waste basically the the chest farm and the event farm right now are are becoming increasingly at odds um partially because the most well, the quote-unquote most efficient way right now to get a beta portal is to do as many events as possible. And so um, a lot of 
chest and event maps are fusing, creating a lot of tension between players and causing me and I presume several, you know, other sane, reasonable people to turn off map chat and hence not be contributing to the map maybe as fully as possible because we're not aware of what's going on on the other side of the map or if people call for help and that kind of thing. And I, you know, I don't have a good, and I, I don't have a solution to this. I'm just noticing this trend and I'm wondering if, if Heart of Thorns is going to have these map-wide objectives in every map how well is that going to hold up to the test of time? Mm-hmm. Do you have that's, any thoughts on that, Robin? Well, that's a good point because how how sustainable is it? Because it's almost like a, a single game in itself on one map. And someone who enjoys Silver Waste and that type of, uh, like I said, map-wide objective may not enjoy uh, exploring a world that Guild Wars is. So it's an interesting um, at-odds a player division that I hadn't really thought about before you mentioned this. Um, yeah, another thing that occurred to me when I was kind of thinking about that is, um, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but like that thing, you know how, um, in a lot of MMOs where you like three months in people load into a zone and they're like, no one's in here. Is the game dead? Is the game dead? Is the game dead? Like, and that gets everywhere. (laughs) I'm Uh wondering if that effect is going to be amplified because people go into zones, they can't complete any of the objectives because the, the people there are either not enough or not coherent enough to complete the objectives and i'm wondering if that's or they're just amplify. doing the shovel waste and they're not yeah objectives. yeah so I, w- I was wondering about that as well whether that will amplify the is the game dead effect <laughs> that's what <laughs> we can call it yeah um because i think as it becomes you know originally when there's a whole bunch of people in there it'll be great and it'll work really well but once um people are burned out and um there are less maps and less people um is just everyone gonna kind of leave at once because you need people actually you know uh it really reminds me of like alliance battles or fort aspenwood and guild wars one towards the end yeah um where i was just i was um kind of just getting into them but because no one could ever get a queue or anything uh more people left and more people left and eventually it just got completely deserted which made me really sad because i always wanted to play well the good side about this, though, and I think there might be maybe a silver line to this. There's been times, and I think you may have been with me, Spirit, when we were in Vinewrath, and it gets down to maybe five to ten people inside uh, Fighting Vinewrath, and you can do it if those people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Where if if, uh, if the Silver Waste does die or almost die, I think it'd be really cool and even more fun if it became a guild event. And let's say a guild that was big enough, I think RO could manage this, where we went and you know had fifteen people or twenty people. I'm doing it ourselves, and that could be a real awesome community-building event for a guild to do. And that's kind of cool. But, you know, if they're going to do that, maybe they should open up Silver Wastes as, make an instance for guilds instead of letting it die for us to do that, so. Yeah, yeah, because I think if you started to, yeah, because the potential for, like, a champ train to come in and just ruin that by running past and scaling up all the events where we have, like, four people and suddenly there's champions overwhelming them is, is high. I don't know. Yeah, there's no... I don't, like I said, I don't have a good uh, gauge for this at all because I don't, as far as I know, there's not a lot of games that do this. And there's, so there's not like a really an example that I can draw from to be like, well, this happened in this game. Um, so yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know, but I'm scared now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. Uh... I bet, I bet Shongoku may have a speculation, if not an answer, because he plays so many MMOs. Um, we should ask him about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's I I do I do know what you're saying. I mean, it's um it's always frustrating to see Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very real concern. I mean, it's 
I guess I guess it would just I really I really wish that they put in a district management system to beat a dead horse <laughs> because at yeah. least then you can sort of user impose things like used to happen in Guild Wars 1 like Grunth is odd districts and Duane is even districts, you know. Which was um, cool. That yeah. was some neat community uh involvement, community pulling together and, you know. Yeah, yeah. No dev no dev interference there. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, anyway. Um yeah, I mean it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. My yeah, I guess my my true love and my um initial play time will always go towards instance organized content if possible. Mm-hmm. Um but until we know what really challenging group content means, then I have to think about uh the open world stuff. And whether or not I'm going to enjoy playing that in Heart of Thorns. If I don't, because, uh, oh man, I will be really bummed if I don't. There's just not a whole There's, I don't think anything in this game I haven't done yet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it more times if I don't like Heart of Thorns is open world stuff very much. So I really hope that they, they're going to have to do something with dungeon content or instance content to get me to stick around. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I, like Heart of the Rings will drop and I'll be out of here because I'll have to play with all the professions or all the specializations and stuff. But yeah, man, if that doesn't hold me, I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of a downer to say that, but I totally know what you mean. Like it's, yeah. um, I mean, Guild Wars has been out for two and a half years now, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, that's a long time. That's a long time. So anyway. On but, that depressing note. Yeah. <laughs> um, was there was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I don't remember. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know that I want to talk about this topic right now at the end of an episode. <laughs> we'll uh, um, well, just the effects of uh changes to you know condition damage caps and making conditions stacking that didn't previously stack and the removal slash reintegration of stats from your specialization lines into base stats plus armor and what that's going to mean for everybody that's spent 500 odd gold on ascended armor and weapons um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Berserker till the day I die. You know, actually, no, this is a legitimate complaint that I have with a lot of, like, the gearing system in this game, Mm -hmm. is that there's a, even within, like, a tier of gears, like Ascended or Exotic or whatever, um, the investment in terms of time and money varies wildly depending on the the stat set. Mm -hmm. And so even if you wanted to break away from the Zerker meta... Like, if I wanted to go Celestial, for example, I'm not going to invest another month to build Celestial gear. No way! I'm going to spend my tokens and get my Berserker gear, and that's going to be that, because I'm going to be more efficient, and I'm going to have my gear right away. I'm not going to invest that much stupid time or money. I can not believe I did research into... Um, I can't remember the the gear set, but basically, essentially, Condi Duration stuff mm-hmm. for an Engineer build. And it was like something like 50 to 75 more gold than building a Berserker set for Manji. And I said, screw it. I'm just building another Berserker set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the time put it. I mean, 
I burned out making my celestial armor that was uh, ascended, and I haven't even thought about making another set of uh, ascended armor. It's just, like I said, the time cap for doing more and experimenting with stats is just ridiculous. And to have yeah. a game that's supposed to be so diverse, have different stats and combinations, things to play with, and make them unattainable, except for you know hours of chugging doing the same thing, it's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, so I guess uh, if you want us to experiment, you have to give us the capacity to experiment, not just... Uh lock us in i don't know yeah that's always been a trend since the beginning is they're like we want your character to have meaningful progression and that's just um not to get really negative and mean but it's it's always translated into like uncomfortably being locked into a build yeah it's uh yeah anyway i just i think it's gonna be really interesting with all these huge swaths of changes if you know especially if berserker not that i imagine berserker is ever going anywhere but if berserker was suddenly not like the go-to set and everybody was basically expected to just like get a new like get a new set of uh like high tier armor of a completely different stat type especially if they had ascended berserker like, there may be uh... i have two full berserker ascended sets and if i had to change that i would be a angry person who would probably not be playing much there longer. may be a march on the uh, nc not nc soft <laughs> arena net yeah anyway like i said uh that's a long conversation i don't know if i want to start that's the end of our episode thank you arena <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> i don't even have a, a cast cast to top it off with this week oh my gosh this week on cast cast um oh actually this week on cast cast uh arena net uh did a really nice little um mini blog post that they linked some community creations like they linked Vereen's Under the Pale Tree article, um, which is something that had been brought up a lot in terms of the communications kerfluffle that happened in the community a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was really nice to see them do that. So, yeah. kudos. No, I absolutely agree. That was wonderful. So, there you go. There's our cast cast this week. <laughs> There's our cast cast. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I guess that's it. So, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in again. Sorry for getting a little bit negative at the end. And hopefully, we'll get more specializations to talk about because not only will that give us a better uh, point of discussion for comparing, you know, uh, cross class power levels and just overall power levels of the. Uh, expansion but also just uh, i mean it's super exciting to get this kind of just fundamentally crazy different effects and i'm sure each of us is really excited to see what happens for our main professions as, as elite specializations so hopefully we get those soon so uh yeah like i said thanks for listening and good we'll luck in the silver waste everyone that's right <laughs> that's right may the odds be ever in your favor this has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.